everyone. Welcome to this episode of the BizCast. I'm Shannon King. So we haven't had a new episode in the past couple weeks. The power outage threw a wrench in everyone's plans last week. And also, I've officially transitioned into my new role as media and public relations manager, where my focus is to continue sharing stories from business owners across Connecticut and keeping the business community involved in the conversation. There's a lot of exciting things happening in Connecticut right now. Businesses are coming back and fighting to stay strong, and there's a big election this fall, if you haven't heard. Suffice to say, I'm very excited about my new role, and I hope to bring you the best people, stories, innovations, and ideas. Connecticut is rebuilding from the pandemic, and it starts with a conversation about how we're going to come back better and stronger. Now, on to the episode. A few weeks ago, I talked to Tom McGuire, Vice President of Business Development at Industrial Heater in Cheshire. The company recently started producing metal nose clips for face masks and have donated them to nearby hospitals. They also are working to set up a domestic manufacturing line of PPE. Not only that, Industrial Heater is reaching its 100th anniversary, so I asked about the resiliency and the agility of the business. I couldn't resist asking Tom about what challenges he's had to overcome as a young business leader and how he knew he wanted to go into the family business of manufacturing. If you like this conversation, please rate, review, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And here is my interview with Tom. I'm really excited to talk with you because um, Industrial Heater, they you were recently in the news for shifting production to make 50,000, it's probably more by now, metal nose clips for face masks, and you were donating those to nearby hospitals that needed them. So first of all, can you talk a little bit about that endeavor and just generally how has Industrial Heater been for the past four, almost four and a half months yeah, it was really great, actually. Um, so we, we joined uh, EMA in January, and the pandemic obviously came in March, and we were still looking for ways to stay involved but and also to help the pandemic. So there was a news blast one day that, that said that one of our other members, Hillary Company in Groton, was putting this effort together to make face masks, and they needed help making nose clips. We were looking for ways to contribute, and we had the equipment to do it. We actually had one of our vendors donate material and we in turn donated it to this effort and you know as you, as you mentioned 50,000 nose clips later I feel like we made a pretty good impact and it wasn't much skin off our back to be honest you know we were in the right place at the right time. Yeah absolutely if you can remind me what does industrial heater uh, typically do not in a pandemic situation and how quickly were you able to shift to making those nose clips for face masks? So our bread and butter are process heaters, typically uh, heater bands, mica band heaters that are used in injection molding and extrusion processes. And those heaters go on, for example, equipment that make medical equipment, uh, mostly plastic. So before the pandemic ever started, we were helping to supply medical suppliers that were making this equipment, and we had declared ourselves essential from the beginning. The other side of our business is sheet metal work, contract fabricating. So we we have laser punch and shearing capabilities here already. We we didn't have to retool, so to speak, in order to make these parts. A lot of what we do here is custom, so for us it was just a matter of 
finding the time and, and donating the, the labor for the cause, which I, I think was so important and, and so needed at the time. Yeah, absolutely. So I also read that Industrial Heater, you guys are working up to set up a domestic manufacturing line of PPE. So what is the timeline for that? And can you talk a little bit about, you know, what line of PPE you're going to be creating? Sure. So uh, we're partnering with some friends of mine, actually, to create domestic manufacturing for face masks. Uh, We spent months searching to find reliable suppliers for the um, materials that go into those fun bond and blow and non-wovens. We recently received a grant from the state of New York, actually, uh, to open up a manufacturing facility and produce masks. So the timeline is still a few months out, and and this is going to be a new venture for us. But we felt that there was a need for it, and and most importantly, that we, we couldn't rely on foreign countries for our PPE, especially with a public health service emergency like we're seeing right now. So we saw a need to source all the material domestically, to manufacture it domestically, and sell it to domestic clients such as hospitals and frontline workers and essential workers. And, and, and I think as we return back to normal, you know, people from all walks of life and different businesses and schools, are, they're all going to need this stuff. So we're, we're looking forward to continuing this effort to contribute and, and help our country get out of this mess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what kind of face masks are you making? N95s? Yeah, surgical face masks, N95 and KN95. Okay, that's cool. So very cool. Yeah, we're, we're, I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I was also just um, as you were talking, I was thinking, uh, how has business been generally since the pandemic hit? So I know that you guys have shifted to making nose clips for face masks, and then now setting up this new line of face masks. But generally, how how has business been since the pandemic hit? Generally, it's been a mixed bag. Some of our customers have certainly seen a downturn in business and have passed it on to us. Uh, we're fortunate that we service so many different industries and we're diversified in that sense. So we're not completely exposed to a pandemic like this that affects certain sectors, particularly aerospace. We've seen some of that drop off. Um, but the medical obviously has has stayed consistent and a lot of our our plastics customers have done well throughout this crisis. We had a pretty big backlog coming into this whole thing and so we've been able to stay productive, uh, maintain our shipping numbers and we have not had to lay anybody off. We were very fortunate to also not have wide exposure to the uh, COVID itself. We only had I think seven or six Uh, people here that were exposed, so to speak, and had to quarantine afterwards, but only two confirmed cases, and we were able to stay productive ourselves. Um, We're starting to see a lull in sales the last month or two, but it it seems like it's starting to pick back up again. So I'm optimistic. We, We tend to rise and fall with the economy as a whole, and as people get confident and start to spend on on projects we see the tail end of that and as we're kind of at the bottom end of the supply chain. So I'm, I'm optimistic. I I think things are going to turn around and as long as there, there isn't a, uh, 
a crazy spike in the fall, I, I think we'll be okay. And I think our customers will be okay. Yeah, that's what I've been hearing from a lot of manufacturers, just what that potential second spike in the fall is going to do just to the supply chain. Um, so it's something certainly to be seen. But it's really good to hear that you're optimistic. I mean, um, Industrial Heater is also nearing its 100th anniversary. Is that is that coming up next year? Yeah, next year. That's so crazy. It's crazy yeah. to think about. I know it is. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> I mean, the last 100 years, I mean, there's been wars, Great Depressions, really tough economic times. So what does that say about the resiliency of the company, especially now? This is certainly going to be in the history books as an economic downturn and a, obviously a health crisis. So what does that say about the resiliency of Industrial Heater? Uh, I think it speaks a lot to our, our culture here. You know, we've been able to consistently produce what we do and service our customers throughout ups and downs of the economy. Um, as you said, two world wars and multiple economic downturns. I I was thinking about this the other day. You know, we we just missed the first well, the Spanish flu in nineteen eighteen. And I have to think that my my great grandfather who started the company in nineteen twenty one um, and also fought in World War One was sort of coming off the tail end of that when he created the company and was was looking for a way to provide for his family and, and his employees that sort of mentality and the, that, that, that desire to, to stick around and consistently produce and, and service our customers to stick around for almost 100 years now. We're still going strong, and um, I don't see any end in sight. So. Yeah, that's really good to hear. Um, so your great-grandfather started the company did you always know that you wanted to go into manufacturing because that this is a family-owned business? So did you always know you wanted to go into business or manufacturing? No, I didn't. I, I studied uh, finance. I actually also studied Chinese when I was in uh, college. I lived in China for a little while. Oh, very cool. And I, I realized that finance wasn't for me. I liked to be more hands-on. Um, manufacturing made a lot of sense to me. Bringing in the raw material and doing all this and logistics and then converting it into finished products and shipping it. That that was something that, that ultimately resonated with me. And um, I made the switch the, uh, right after I graduated college. And I worked for another company that did manufacturing in China, India. And I got a chance to travel around and see what manufacturing was like in those countries, which really made me appreciate what's going on here. Um you hear a lot about workforce development and manufacturing coming back to the U.S. and and I hope that that uh, people in the next generation, um, like myself, find a reason to get into manufacturing because it's not what it used to be. It's people have this impression of manufacturing being um, dirty or um, you know not not an ideal profession, but the manufacturing that we live in today is high tech, it's clean green and it's it's paving the way for the future and as we're seeing right now it's critical for our country to have manufacturing capability so that we can weather downturns like this and help provide for ourselves when we need it yeah certainly um i mean how important is uh workforce development and attracting and retaining uh young talent at industrial heater we have multiple um, high-tech pieces of equipment here that require training and 
uh, educational background, our engineers, our um, people on the floor that are operating CNC lasers, punch, bending equipment, welders are so critical to what we do here. Um, and, and we need to feed off of the, the local education systems, the, the, people, the tech schools, and, and the kids who are uh, enthusiastic about tinkering from a young age. Uh, who are interested in engineering and who are interested in, in making parts to join teams like ours and uh, all the other manufacturers in Connecticut and in our country. I'm 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 amazed, by the way, at, at the the effort that's put forth in Connecticut alone to to drive workforce development between all the different trade associations and all the the work that um, CBIA does and. Uh, Organizations like CONSTEP and, and the, the state government itself in promoting manufacturing, I think we've actually made quite a quite an impact on the workforce development that's being done in this state. And you know, we've I, we do a lot of work with the Plastics Association down in DC, and and I've I've found that the state of Connecticut is going above and beyond what other states are doing as far as being prepared for manufacturing. Yeah, I mean that that that's really good to hear that we we stick out as a state, even though we still have you know our issues and we're trying to consolidate all of our efforts. It's certainly good to hear that we're one of the outliers of a state that's doing the right things and moving in the right direction. Just especially with our rich history of manufacturing. Yeah. So speaking of young people, uh, you're a pretty young you're a pretty young guy. Um, <laughs> what? What, guess, what, yeah. You guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> what what challenges have you had to overcome as a young leader at at your company? You know, how did you how did you move up through the ranks, and what has your experience been as a young leader at a business? We are making a concerted effort to change a lot of the things that we do here um, from standardizing our processes to um, changing our culture to um, developing a, a competitive strategy for the future. And as a leader, I've had to uh, spearhead a lot of that change here. And I think anyone who's ever had to do that, whether they're young or old, can appreciate how difficult it is to, to change any system, let alone one that's 99 years old, right? So, yeah, you know, yes, certainly I'm young. I'm, I'm 32, but um, I, I think, you know, what, I, what, I've, what I've learned is, is in order to facilitate change like that, it's best to involve everybody in the company. And, and I, can't, I can't say that I'm the only one here who's, who's working towards change. And, and while it's, it's certainly difficult, um, I have the support of some really great and really professional people here and really experienced people who, who know what they're doing. So, yeah, it, it's certainly a challenge, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fortunate that I, I get to experience this at a young age. So hopefully when I'm, I'm older, I, I have some, uh, you know, salt in my beard, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of incredible, um, you know, just in your in your young 30s to be able to have the kind of experiences that you've had. Um, you know, I think that's really critical to have just that kind of background and that kind of experience at such a young age. So, um, yeah, that sounds really awesome. I, it sounds like you have a really great 
company and a great system going on. And, you know, congratulations to the nose, the nose clips for face masks. And obviously I'm wishing you the best of luck on the uh, new domestic line for PPE. I think that's critical and the need is certainly not going away. It's probably only going to increase. So, you know, that's really critical that you guys jumped on that so soon. So Tom, thank you so much for talking with me for a few minutes today and um, obviously wishing you the best of luck, best of health and all of your employees, the best of health. Yeah. Thank you, Shannon. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on your podcast. I really enjoy it. And I've gotten, uh, I've learned a lot from listening to your other guests. So I hope, I hope other people subscribe and, and tune in as well. For the latest COVID-19 information, visit CBIA.com. Follow us on Twitter at CBIA news and on Facebook Call us anytime at 860-244-1900. Stay safe out there.